Hey everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Well, today is, what is it? Is it the second Wednesday of the month? Yes, it is, which means it's time for Dr. Stefan Esser. And today he's going to be talking about nutrition and orthopedics or orthopedics and nutrition. Please welcome him to the show. So nice to see you again. Thank you, Chef Angie. My favorite topic to discuss, oh. getting to eat food and move the body. Can it get any better? No, so. it cannot. <laughs> all right, well, let's do this. Let's jump right in. I'm going to share the screen. Uh, you know, this talk is all about performance, potential, and the role of nutrition in your orthopedic health, right? So most of your viewers already know a bit about me. You know that I grew up at my grandfather's nutrition and fasting ranch, right? Where he ran for 65 years in South Florida. And then I went and did my sports medicine training at Harvard and Mayo uh, with my advanced residencies and fellowship. And so what's been so cool for me to see over the years is how these two fields perfectly integrate. Now, of course, we kind of know this inherently, right? The food we eat, the movement we get, these are the pillars of our health. But today, I hope that we're going to explore and reveal some very detailed ways that the science is showing us that what we eat radically influences our joints, our cartilage, our ligaments, et cetera. Here's a beautiful pictures of my grandfather's ranch. Oh, how I miss those, you know, 100-year-old mango trees loaded with fruit. There's such a, a delight. Um, but again, you can see people back in the day sitting there sunbathing and relaxing in between their meals and or fasting, et cetera, and just a great place to grow up. And I always like to give uh, kind of uh, gratitude to my grandfather. Here I am on his shoulders, and I think I'll be on his shoulders the rest of my life. Uh, just such a blessing to have grown up with him and learned so much from him. And again, here's my educational background. For those of you who've forgotten, USF, Harvard, Mayo, and then been on faculty for a bunch of organizations over the last number of years. I want to start with this great story. This guy kind of epitomizes the power of nutrition. This is an 81-year-old guy. So for those of you over the age of 45 who say, is there hope for me? <laughs> or is it too late? Well, my answer is there's always hope as long as you've got a breath and you've got a heartbeat, right? And so this guy came in and we worked at a golf course and he was ticked off because his knee pain was so bad and his swelling is like so bad. He could no longer be a ranger. And instead they just kept him up by the clubhouse, greeting people with his nice smile. Well, anyway, he goes, look, I'll do anything to feel better. I said, anything? And he said, yeah, anything. I said, how about eating food that you don't like or that you're not accustomed to? Really? I said, yeah, do my four-week program, right? So he went home and did my four-week program and he came back four weeks later. He had lost 31 pounds in four weeks. Now, again, the average weight loss for men on my program is 20 to 40 pounds and women, it's 15 to 25. And his legs... He pulled up his pale legs and his wife goes, I haven't seen those legs for almost 20 years. <laughs> and they had nice slender legs again because all the edema from all the excess salt he had been consuming that was retaining all the fluid had all normalized. The edema had gone away. His knee pain was gone. His back pain was gone. His leg swelling was gone. His hypertension was normal. Off blood pressure medicines. We didn't have his blood uh, cholesterol levels yet. But his frustration was now replaced with joy. And what was the best part of it all was he said, you know, they're making me a ranger again. And I'm going back out on the course. And he was so proud and excited. So my message to you is whatever your age, whatever your age, there's great potential here. There's great potential. And so it's worth 
committing four weeks, six weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks to what Chef AJ and I are encouraging you to do, to commit. Today, we're going to explore the intersection of these great fields of medicine, orthopedics, and nutrition. We're going to talk about some of the mechanisms by the way by which they work together. We're going to discuss some implications to your own personal health, how it applies to you, and maybe set a few lifestyle goals. You know, orthopedics at its heart, right, is this caring for the impairments of the bone, muscle, tendons, and ligaments. Nutrition, of course, is the study of nutrients and food, how the body uses them, and this relationship between our health and our food. And performance and potential, right, are these big words. Because performance isn't just about that elite level runner trying to shave off milliseconds from their sprint. It's also about you just being able to walk up the stairs, right? It's about you being able to pick up your groceries and carry them indoors. It's about you being able to walk to the mailbox without falling down. These are important things. And your potential, right? Having or showing the capacity to become or develop into something in the future, right? These things are crucial. So many medical school, right? Mini medical school. We're going to take you there. You're amazing. You really are, right? You've got 37 trillion cells, 206 bones, 600 plus muscles. You got six pounds of skin wrapped around you, all these blood vessels, these trillions of nerves. I mean, how cool is this? And yet every seven to 10 years, your body replaces itself. Now I find this always fascinating because I go, you're telling me my body replaces itself. You're telling me I'm like a blue tailed skink. You're telling me that I can make new things. And the answer is, yeah, well, you can't necessarily grow new arms, but you can change the cells and they do replace themselves. So this is where it gets interesting because the food that you're eating today is radically influencing the cells that you create tomorrow, the next day, the months ahead, the years ahead. So what kind of cells, what health of those cells do you want to create? Do you want to create chronically inflamed, congested, unwell cells that don't do their job very well? Or do you want very efficient, capable, energetic cells. It's a decision you and I make because we are wrapped up this amazing way, right? With our skin and our superficial fat and muscles and tendons and ligaments and fascia and all these cool things that are going on inside of us. And every one of the cells requires nutrition, hydration, oxygen, and of course, the removal of all the crud, removal of all the toxins. Now, the one thing that you and I do when we make hundreds of decisions about it every day is nutrition, what we choose to eat. So this behavior of consuming something is required for survival. So it is universal. We all must do it to survive. And it's incredibly modifiable. That's where it's cool. It's very modifiable. We can change it, right? And thus, and it also turns out is very powerful because every cell requires nutrition. Every cell requires oxygen. Every cell changes over time. So the food, the exercise, sleep, thoughts, and toxins all radically influence your health. They predict your future, as Chef AJ and uh, Dr. Alan Goldhammer like to say, right health comes from healthy living. And how true this is, right? How true this is. So, and if you're wondering, I'm just wanting to stand up for a little bit because I like to walk a little. And we're actually in uh, my juice bungalow where people come and stay uh, for juice programs and they kind of stay here for periods of time and get an educational program. Um, but nutrition and orthopedics, right? This intersection between these two. Very important because we have a radically aging population. There's this shift though, right? Even though people are aging, they're wanting to stay active longer. Yeah, which is beautiful. And yet we have one of the sickest populations in the history of earth, don't we? Right, all this obesity, chronically, chronic illness. And again, as I mentioned, nutrition is universal, uniquely modifiable thing that we can do. Now, 
People often go to see the doctor because they want to reduce pain. They want to prevent pain. They want to manage their pain. Um, they want to improve healing, right? At the tendon level, at the musculoskeletal level. And they all want to improve their, improve their performance, right? What we're going to find out today is that inflammation and perfusion play very, very important roles in how nutrition and orthopedics overlap. You can say perfusion rules, right? We know that blood flow is required for our existence. It maximizes function, enhances performance, does all these things. When you've got adequate, sufficient, excellent blood flow, your body is healthier. It does better. And so food, as it turns out, controls the contents of what's in our bloodstream and also alters the flow of our blood. So let's talk about that. You remember these arteries, right? And these arteries, of course, carry blood throughout your body. And the heart pumps, blood goes out through the arteries, back via the veins, and off we go. You remember that in America today in particular, by the age of 20, 80% of people have notable heart disease already on autopsy of their coronary arteries. They already have atherosclerosis, right? The early stages, these fatty plaques, these foam cells having all built up along that area. And so these fatty streaks and fatty plaques are building up progressively because we're eating such a toxic diet. When you consume a high fat, high cholesterol meal, it impairs the ability of your blood vessel to dilate. You reduce oxygen and micronutrient delivery to the muscles or wherever this blood vessel is feeding. And you alter the region's pH, you make it more acidic. This is not cool, we don't want any of these things. So when you look at blood on the left side of the screen and the left side of each of these pictures, that's somebody who's had a fish sandwich or a Cuban sandwich, one on the left, one on the right. And then the vials that you can see right through, this is plasma, right? The water content of the blood. Uh, the vials on the right of each photo are in a person who had a salad, right? Prior to their procedures with me, because I do PRP and stem cells. So I drop people's blood all the time. This is an even more graphic example. Turn your head away if you can't to handle it. But, but on the left upper, you see how gross and disgusting like pus this looks. That was after somebody ate their, quote, Cobb salad from Capitol Grill. And you can see this is what a Cobb salad looks like, which obviously is not a salad at all. It's a bunch of dead animals with a bunch of cow pus, you know, and a little bit of wilted lettuce and a little small tomato. But this is not a salad, but they consider it a salad. And yet you look at it, it's 65% of total calories from fat. Pretty compelling just to kind of look at what's going on in this quote salad where this person thought they had a healthy meal and then came for their blood draw. On the right bottom area, this clear vial, that's what it should have looked like, right? So very interesting. These are some of the posts I put up every once in a while on my Instagram and Facebook. And so the studies of Johns Hopkins showed us that this is not unique to my patients. This is not unique to some random chance event that occurred. No, turns out that this is extraordinarily physiologic and this is what occurs consistently. So you eat a high fat, high saturated fat, refined sugar meal, and immediately your endothelial cells are unable to do their job. And as a result for 50, for the next four hours, we have a reduction in endothelial function by 50%. The exact opposite then occurs when you consume nitrate-rich foods. So all these involve your berries, your greens, et cetera. They dilate your blood vessels and improve blood flow. So I would bring it back to that food is information, right? So on the left, we've got some things telling your body to do certain things. In the example of blood flow, the foods on the left are telling your blood vessels to dilate and open up, which means more blood flow is going to get to your muscles, your tendons, your ligaments, and your cartilage. The 
food-like substances, right, on the right side of the screen, inhibit blood flow. That's what the studies show. It's not Dr. Esther's personal opinion. This is what the data demonstrates for us. So what you eat predicts what's in your blood, but also how thick the blood is, and then how much pressure is in that vessel. So as I mentioned, nitrate-rich foods, it turns out, are converted both in the mouth by bacterial nitrate reductase, and then in the stomach, and then also in the bloodstream, all these different areas convert the nitrates that you consume in plants into nitric oxide, which as you recall, nitric oxide is now demonstrated to be an incredibly powerful, not only predictor of blood flow, but predictor of aging. Hey, excuse me, pardon my sneeze. So when we consume things like the apples and the spinach, so on and so forth, we end up with these powerful changes, these powerful changes in our body. And so in particular, right, also not only do we get the nitrates, but we get these beautiful, beautiful, amazingly powerful substances like flavonoids. And so flavonoids, right, come in a lot of different forms and they're found in plants. But in you, when you consume the flavonoids, they're antioxidant, they blood vessels are dilated, they reduce your cholesterol, so on and so forth. So here's some examples. Flavonoids are broken down into four classes. Flavanones, anthocyanidins, flavanols, and isoflavones. And you can see some examples there of the different foods that each include these powerful molecules. So you want these powerful molecules in your mouth and in your belly, right? And then getting to your cells because they have such powerful effects, it turns out, with regards to inflammation. And so, you know, things like quercetin and red onions, right? Things like hesperidin and uh, the various citrus fruit, things like the cat catechins, right? And green tea. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on. These are incredibly powerful substances that we find in all these micronutrient dense foods that mediate vasodilatation. In other words, they improve blood flow to and around your tissues. Studies show that those individuals who consume the most fruits and vegetables have up to 400% more, right, of these nitrate-rich foods. They're getting a much higher quantity than in their bloodstream, thereby resulting in increased vasodilation. So again, it brings us back to the simple slide here of that food is information. Very important stuff to remember. So we want to ask this basic question, of course. How does perfusion affect my orthopedic health, right? Because that's, that's at the heart of this. Forgive me. I apologize there. So how does perfusion affect my orthopedic health, right? We want to know this question because, all right, so you're saying to us, Dr. Esther, that various foods can either dilate, right, or inhibit blood flow. And yes, that's exactly what the literature supports and suggests for us. Now, well, how does perfusion affect my orthopedic health? Let's start simply with the nerves. You know, every tiny sub, you know, sort of um, skin area, ligament area, tendon area, cartilage, they're all fed by, you guessed it, nerves. What you're looking at here is a pictorial representation of a nerve. That nerve is made up of bundles, kind of like a fiber optic cable. And it's fed by vasonervorum. That's a Latin term that means blood vessels to the nerves. You can see these red blood vessels going the length of the nerve here. And so that nerve requires incredible amounts of blood flow. Look at the tiny little hair-like projections all through there. So if by the age of 20, 80% of people already have notable coronary artery disease, 
And with each decade, it gets worse over time. And the leading cause of death is a heart attack, right? Every 34 seconds, someone dies of one due to coronary artery disease. It stands to reason that for many individuals, their nerves are likely not getting adequate blood flow. Why? Because if big blood vessels are getting blocked up, the tiny hair-like ones are even worse in that state. They're not getting enough blood flow. They enter into a relative state of ischemia, which means inadequate blood flow or hypoxia, inadequate oxygenation. Studies back decades ago showed us this when they took samples of blood from areas of pain. Give you an example. Trigger points. These are classic areas and muscles that are very painful, both to touch, stimulation, or activity. Well, studies show that if you take a little bit of blood away around from an area of a trigger point and you put it in the lab, that it's extremely acidic. And it is loaded with all these nasty inflammatory molecules, tumor necrosis factor, interleukin-1 beta, interleukin-6, so on and so forth. Each of these molecules are in higher concentration in areas of inflammation and pain where trigger points are. And the trigger points, these areas of pain, have a lower pH. Why do they have a lower pH? Because they have less blood flow, less oxygen, thus higher amounts of CO2, which makes it more acidic, and higher amounts of these other inflammatory molecules. And the researchers found that these pain receptors responded to lower pH. Meaning if you have a lower pH, more acidic, more carbon dioxide in the area, now the nerve fibers are more likely to fire and to give you pain sensation. But when you improve the blood flow, you improve oxygenation, you increase the, the pH, and you have potentially less pain. So at the muscle level, at the trigger point muscle level, impaired blood flow increases pain sensation. Now, what about actual degenerative changes in your spine? Studies show us that if you impair blood flow to the spine, you accelerate back pain and spinal degeneration. You can see here, this is a nice picture of the aorta running down along the front of the vertebral bodies of the spine. And little small hair-like projections of blood vessels that wrap around embracing the spine and feeding the discs, the nerves, the cartilage, the ligaments, et cetera. If you block up this aorta, if you impair blood flow, you have higher rates of spinal degeneration and back pain. So studies show that if on an x-ray, for example, you see aortic calcifications, which you can see right here on this individual, right here, these white lines are aortic calcifications. Likewise, these are aortic calcifications right here on the front. Uh, if you see these on an x-ray, the person's more likely to have chronic back pain. Why? Well, because when you have aortic calcifications, it means you're blocking up blood flow to the spine itself. So what about osteoporosis? A major challenge within the orthopedic realm. Well, it turns out that if you have impaired blood flow, right, as demonstrated by aortic calcifications on an x-ray, then you have higher rates of osteoporosis, both men and women. So our bones require excellent, excellent blood flow. You impair that blood flow, you increase the rate of osteoporosis. What about tendons? You can see the tendon here, right? How it's again, all tightly packed, just like those nerve fibers were that I showed you. And it turns out, remember a tendon is where a muscle connects to a bone. Turns out that tendons require good blood flow. And if you impair that blood flow via elevated cholesterol, elevated total cholesterol, LDL, et cetera, you decrease blood flow to the tendon 
and you increase the risk of tendon rupture, tear, re-tear after surgery, et cetera. So we don't want that. We want healthy, robust tendons, not tendons that are struggling to kind of hold us together. So we want to make sure we are improving the blood flow to these tendons rather than compromising them. And of course, nutrition has a major part in this because when we have elevated cholesterol, right, we now impair blood flow to these tendons. These tendons die off. Just looking toward the backyard here, getting out in the shade a little bit, in the cool, fresh air. Um, cartilage and perfusion. You know, many people struggle with osteoarthritis uh, of their joints. And this is no fun whatsoever. Impairs function performance. It's uh, predicted that about 70% of people will have arthritis in their knees, for example, and hips in their lifetime. Uh, and the goal is that this arthritis, number one, is only mild during your lifetime. And number two is asymptomatic. And it turns out nutrition plays a big part of this. One of the ways it plays a part is in blood pressure. It turns out that if you have elevated blood pressure throughout your bloodstream, like a person with hypertension, that this increases blood pressure, blood vessel pressure in the bones. But when you increase blood pressure in the bones, you impair blood flow to the surface of the bones. And when you impair blood flow to the surface of the bones, the cartilage dies off because it enters a relative state of hypoxia. Again, inadequate oxygenation because of inadequate blood flow. So fascinating to see this, that your blood pressure directly correlates with your risk of osteoarthritis of your joints. Whoa, cool stuff. Really fascinating because we know that one of the most powerful ways to manage, prevent high blood pressure is, of course, uh, micronutrient-dense plant-based diets. Now, what about the nerves and perfusion? We started there. As it turns out that in individuals, even with diabetic neuropathies, 80% can resolve their diabetic neuropathies within as little as three weeks by radical changes in nutrition with a fully plant-based diet and gentle exercise. Why, you would ask, or how? Well, it turns out, it appears it's because largely of blood flow. When you normalize blood flow to your blood vessels, this normalizes blood flow to the nerves and allows them to rejuvenate and function more normally rather than a chronic state of hypoxia and acidosis. Really amazing stuff. But you know what's really cool is it's not just months and months and months of healthy living. Every meal counts. That's what those studies at Johns Hopkins showed us, that a single meal can radically influence the dilation of your blood vessels. That's why people often say to me, Dr. Esther, you're not cheating at all. You're not eating all this junk food. And I go, well, look, number one is you can't cheat your body. There's no such as cheating your body. Your body knows what you eat all the time. And number two, I go, why the heck would I want to block up my blood vessels? I just spent three or four hours on the tennis court this morning, having fun teaching some folks, et cetera, and getting my own exercise. I want to feel good. I don't want to feel icky bicky. So why would I eat some garbage? Yeah. And you shouldn't either. So when you correct the food, you correct the perfusion. When you correct the perfusion, you reduce pain. Then you enhance the function of your tissues. Smiley face also, you're less likely to die, right? So kind of win, win, and win again. More studies are now demonstrating this too, which is fun to see, right? Coming out of Harvard and Mayo, I like the literature. So to be able to look and say, yeah, look, another study is showing that the more fruits and vegetables, the more dietary nitrates you eat, the more anthocyanopigment-rich foods you eat, the, the lower the you know pain that you have. See, as I age, I'm beginning to look more and more at food as a medicinal, right? 
So I'm like, okay, I'm just spending a lot of hours in the sun. All right, where are my berries? Where are my greens? Where is my turmeric, right? <laughs> that I need to get more of this in. Or like this morning, I knew I was going to come out and be active. I'm going to create a lot of inflammatory molecules from my activity. So I had my carrot, apple, you know, turmeric, lemon juice to get the day started off. Had a nice smoothie with pineapple, turmeric, and, you know, greens. Had steamed spinach, had some oatmeal, right? You know, on and on. But I was eating all this food with a goal, right? And you should have a goal too. You should have a perfusion plan, baby. Get your perfusion plan. And you should be eating, right? Six plus servings of raw or steamed vegetables per day. Four plus servings of raw fruit per day. Drink greater than 64 ounces of water, fresh juice per day. And then get your movement in because you can load the trucks with the oxygen, right? With the nutrients, but you've got to move the trucks down the highway. And exercise does that. You want to remember that your body's very efficient. If you don't exercise, the little tiny highways, the little tiny arterioles, they're called, they just dry up because they're like, hey, he's not really using the whole muscle. He's only using 30% of the muscle. Why should we bring blood flow there? It's kind of like a county or a city. If nobody drives on a road ever, after a while, the county goes, why are we maintaining that road again? That doesn't make any sense. Stop maintaining the road. Focus on the roads people drive. Same with your body. It says, look, we know the blood is being pumped through here. This muscle is not needed. It's only need a quarter of this muscle. And so the roads shut down. But when you begin to exercise it, the body begins to perfuse the tissues more fully and we get angiogenesis angio blood vessel genesis to create the body actually creates and produces new highways and byways and that produces greater efficiency for your muscles and more power and less soreness and all of these awesome things with regards to your performance now we talked quite a bit there about perfusion i enjoyed that that was fun i hope you enjoyed it too now we're going to talk about inflammation three major types of inflammation that influence your orthopedic health functional inflammation adipose related inflammation an autoimmune. You know, it turns out that when I'm doing my squats, right, let's do some squats together, one and two and three, right? When I'm doing my squats, as my quads and butt muscles, my glutes are working, they're actually producing some myokines. And myokines are inflammatory molecules that now are released. They're the garbage of the cell, if you will. And now they flow through my body. Well, I don't really want a bunch of garbage and toxins from cellular activity flowing through my body. So I want to flush those babies out. When you exercise, you get increased markers of systemic inflammation, especially if acute exercise you're not accustomed to. Chronically, if you exercise, your body still gets some inflammation from the exercise, but it's far more efficient at managing it over time. And we get much better balanced hormones and blood pressure drops, so on and so forth. If you recall those myokines, let's go back. Look at that, interleukin-6, right? in a bunch of these IGFs and some growth factors, et cetera. Well, when you look, plant-based diets can improve CRP, interleukin-6, fibrinogen, leukocyte concentration, uh, leptin, insulin, so on and so forth. Some of these markers, what are called myokines, right? So when you consume more plants, you absorb, right? Some of these myokines and you have less of a spike in myokine production or release. That is why the overwhelming majority of athletes who choose a plant-based diet comment that they can recover faster, right? And go farther than many of their peers. And that is the goal. You have much better recovery and you have less soreness post-exercise, post-workout. Now, some of the foods that you want to really focus in on, of course, are anthocyanopigment-rich foods. 
Now, I don't know if this uh, Chef AJ has always asked me about my donkey, and I think he's right over there. I don't know if he's going to be visible here or not to you all, but I think we'll we'll take a peek. Roscoe, come here, buddy. And yep, we're you're at Esther's ranch here, so we're just walking out on the back deck. Roscoe, come here. That's just so cool that you have a donkey. I'm I'm guessing he follows a plant based diet. Oh. I don't know if you just heard that, but that was Roscoe. He's right there in between the trees, straight across. And yes, he follows a plant-based diet, but he's right there. I don't know if you see him. He's hidden kind of, or he's pulling a little branch down. But anyway, so he's having fun over there. He doesn't want to come over this way right now. But uh, so we want to be reaching for and consuming these deep purples, blues, reds. What I love about eating all these foods is not all they incredibly nutritious, but they're incredibly colorful and beautiful and fun to put on the plate. So as my grandfather used to say, right, the eyes eat first and how true that is, that we can load our plates up with these spectacular things. So I would encourage each of you, if plant-based nutrition is new to you, for example, look at this beautiful photo and choose one or two things on there that you're willing to eat that you say, oh, well, I do like plums or well, I do like red peppers, right? I'd be willing to eat some of those, right? Uh, so on and so forth. And find that place where you're willing to start because the studies show that the more anthocyanopigment-rich foods that you and I consume, right? The less muscle soreness, the less strength loss, the improvement of power after exercise, all of these things happen. Win, 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 and more win. I love the studies, of course, um, you know, on simple things too, like beet juice and pomegranate juice and blueberry juice and blueberry extracts, et cetera. But the reality is what you and I need to be doing is just eating the food, eat the food, right? And you can make that juice and pulp in your own mouth as you mash those berries and eat those delicious items. But studies show us, in fact, that with regards to sports performance, there's so many ways in which consuming plants has a positive effect whether it be fostering that leaner body type with more lean muscle, reducing our lipid profiles, improving our blood pressure, so on and so forth. It's all a win, win, win. So the plant-based nutrition reduces inflammation reduce, related to functional inflammation. The other, there were two more areas of inflammation. The second one was adipose-related inflammation. And so you recall that our visceral or belly fat is pumping out molecules with weird names like resistant and visfatin. These are called adipokines. And they circulate through the bloodstream and studies show they damage the cartilage, damage ligaments, damage blood vessels, impair endocrine function, increasing the risk of diabetes, et cetera. So across the board, these are toxic molecules and these molecules are pumped out 24 seven by your belly fat. Only by eliminating, by reducing, by getting rid of this belly fat, do you turn off these factories, right, of inflammation. And do you decrease your risk of these common diseases that are all interrelated? So you lose the weight, you reduce adipocyte, you, as a result of reducing the adipocyte activation, you reduce adipokine production and inflammation in the body drops. Now, famous slide of Chef AJ, there it is, right? Eat on the green, right? Don't cross that red line if you're draw one right down. If your goals are weight loss, always green, 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 eat in the green, those veggies, fruits, unrefined, uh, pro complex carbohydrates and legumes, et cetera. This is where we wanna be consuming our food. Now, our third and final area we said of inflammation was autoimmune. Turns out the genetically predisposed individual gets some sort of a trigger, 
whether it be their anti-inflammatories, their alcohol that are leading to leaky gut, and then something sneaks through, some random dead animal they ate, some piece of it, gets into the bloodstream where it results in molecular mimicry. And next thing you know, your body's not only attacking the small piece of unfortunate chicken you ate, but it's also attacking your body because of molecular mimicry, because of this cross-referencing that goes a little bit bad. And that is why studies show that individuals who consume the most fruits and vegetables have the lowest rates, the lowest rates, it turns out, of autoimmune diseases versus the individuals who consume the most meat and dairy have the highest rates of autoimmune diseases across the board. So as we look at this, studies show again and again, right, that the more plants we consume as both a preventive, but also as a disease-modifying treatment, that consuming more plants reduces and alters symptoms. Now, the take-home, eating more plants reduces autoimmune inflammation in the body. In addition, I want to touch on regenerating muscles, bones, tendons, and nerves. Do you know that the food that you eat has the potential to alter generation in your body, right? Because the body's in this constant state of function and change. We talked about that, how it re totally changes all the cells every seven to 10 years. And so stem cells are these primitive cells in your body that replicate themselves and convert to various lineages. And they are the foundation, the absolute foundation of healing and renewal. But what gets even cooler, and this is what's so fascinating to my heart, right, is that as you consume various foods, you are altering your stem cell function. Here are some of them here. This is from a published study, and this is one of their slides that demonstrated that different substances, you can see them on there, actually result in changes in proliferation, that means the multiplication, and differentiation, that means the stem cells turning into different uh, lineages um, of stem cells. And now here's where it gets cool. Look, there's that flavonoids, right? We talked about that earlier, the flavonoids. Um, but uh, take a look, right? Here's like resveratrol and green tea, right? It enhances the ability of your stem cells to produce bone building cells, right? That's resveratrol that you're finding in deep purple and blues, right? In those berries, in your grapes, you know, et cetera. EGCG, right, which is found in uh, the green tea, right, increasing, right, the production of nerves, can, the, influences the production of bone marrow stem cells that are involved with hardening your bones, curcumin, of course, in turmeric, ferulic acid that's found in fennel, right, the list goes on. I mean, you can see these beautiful, here's a bunch of stuff with resveratrol in it, right, here's your ECGC on this uh, green tea. Here's the turmeric, right? With this curcumin. There's your fennel with your ferulic acid, right? There is your passion fruit with some of the pis pisciatinol, right? And here's the quercetin that you find in red onions and other places. My point to you is, and the list goes on and on. It's so exciting to see this, is that these foods actually alter the regenerative potential of your body. So, when you sit down to eat that next meal, you might say, well, I'm going to make this big salad. Wonderful. Have that base of greens, have those tomatoes and cucumbers and celery and peppers and grated carrots and all the rest. And then say, I'm also going to add in some red onions. I'm also going to add in some of these delicious fennel, thinly sliced and fresh, you know, so on and so forth. So you, when you begin to learn this stuff, you begin to say, okay, how can I get a little more of this in there? right? So maybe you make one of my famous uh, fennel salads. You thinly slice the fennel, some nice onions, some tomatoes, and then some little chunks of avocado with some lemon juice, 
and a little bit of uh, uh, a little bit of apple cider vinegar on there. It's delicious. Let it sit overnight even, and it's so wonderful as a nice side salad or to just spread all over your primary salad. But getting more of these specific foods in has potential regenerative effects. Cinnamaldehyde, for example, in cinnamon, it turns out that cinnamaldehyde also heavily influences our stem cell activation. These are all great things to be adding in at every single meal. So here's some four tangible tips, right? Things that I want you to take home, right, to reduce pain in your body through nutrition. Number one, we've got to enhance and normalize perfusion. So if you've been getting a little sloppy, which I know some of you have, and you're like, yeah, I'm getting a little salad in, but not enough, right? You got to, got to, got to make this a priority. I don't care whether you're having it as smoothie and a juice and a steamed, fresh, raw, baked. You've got to get more of it, right? You've got to get more, more, always more of these green vegetables and of these deep purple and blue vegetables, right? This is where you should be splurging your money. When you're like, oh man, I, I don't know, money's a little tight, but I want some dessert. It should be those beautiful berries, right? That you're getting. So you can have a pint of blueberries for your dessert, right? Rather than some random ice cream. But you want to be getting more of this stuff in at every single meal. So for example, right? I had my oatmeal this morning. And I could have stopped there. No, I added some strawberries. No, I added some raspberries too. No, I also had a few blueberries because I had some leftovers. No, I didn't stop there. I still made a smoothie with more spinach. No, I didn't stop there. I said, I want more spinach and I steamed it and then I had it, right? So you just want to keep looking for ways to add in more and different and variable micronutrients to your profile every day, okay? You want to maximize those anthocyanidin-rich ones, like we said, reduce the dietary cholesterol. You shouldn't be eating dead animals. Stop. There's no reason. Leave the animals alone. Move on, right? If you care about your body and your health, stop. And if you care about the animals and if you care about planet, all kinds of good reasons. Next, reduce dietary saturated fats, right? All of those dietary fats in large quantity, even plant-based dietary saturated fats, like all the nuts, have the ability to alter blood flow. You don't want that. So small quantities of nuts or seeds, okay, so long as your goals are not you know, ongoing weight loss. And then get rid of the salt, right? I say reduce, but you should get rid of it. You know, if you, you know, do my program for four to six weeks with zero salt and see what happens to your blood pressure, right? To your blood flow, to perfusion, et cetera. But you should minimize the exposure to salt where and when possible. So perfusion and inflammation are the foundation of your muscular health. And it turns out that food radically alters the balance, right? of perfusion and of inflammation. When you eat these foods that we're talking about, these micronutrient-dense, plant-based, flavonoid-rich, nitrate-rich foods, oh, so many adjectives or add-ons there. These foods improve that blood flow and reduce the inflammation. So when it comes to your orthopedic health pyramid, it should look like this. The bottom needs to be maximized. Maximize the colors. Focus on the greens, blues, purples, reds, and add spices, right? All those fresh, bright, colorful herbs, the basil and the cilantro and this on and on, right? On your salads, then all the spices that you can consume more of. Move every day. Still having issues? Move up to the physical modalities, right? The chiropractic, physical therapy, OMT, acupuncture, dry needling, et cetera. Still not getting what you want? Move up to injections, the biologics, things like that. And use surgery as the final treatment. Or if you have an acute thing with a 
fracture, right? And your bone's sticking out of the skin, you need surgery right away. But remember the power of each of these areas to alter inflammation at the cellular level, to improve blood flow and the delivery of nutrients to your tissues so they can normalize function. They normalize how, what the back should feel like. They can normalize what your tendons should act like. They can normalize the cartilage so it can be healthy and robust, not at risk so that it just wears away prematurely. So here you go. Maximize your perfusion. Achieve a BMI of 18 to 22 or a waist hip circumference as you can read there. Radically reduce inflammation through nutrition, right? In your body. And maximize muscular strength, flexibility, and balance. We can do a whole nother shindig together on that at some point. And then advance the other interventions as and only when needed. With that, we'll open the floor to any comments, questions, conversations. I hope there were a couple new things that you all learned there that you can apply to your life starting today. Starting today. That That's was a right. wonderful presentation. I love slides. I learned so much. And you know, it's interesting because I mean, I know doctors aren't trained in nutrition, but in orthopedics, it's not something where it's really talked about. Like, you know, sometimes in, with heart problems, doctors might mention it. And or, I know that orthopedic doctors sometimes mention weight as a problem, but I don't think they really address nutrition. That's right. And it's so fascinating to see the, the amount of science that really uh, reinforces that it should be at the heart of the conversation. Yeah, that was fantastic. Thank you so much. And I, I will start with the questions that were sent in in advance at first by email. If you get on our list, you get an email every Saturday or Sunday with the lineup and send it back. So you get priority. Membership nice. has privileges, but you don't really have to be a member. You just have to be signed up. <laughs> <laughs> so the first question is from Julie. She says, do you have any dietary or nutritional advice for a woman in her mid-70s who is told she needs a knee replacement because of bone-on-bone, bone, but has some improvement with steroids. My mom seems reluctant to think nutrition will help her. Well, Julie, send her this presentation. That's right. And she will be able to see why and when it can. And I would say, even in individuals who have bone-on-bone bone arthritis, I've seen some people improve by 70, 80% with regards to their pain, just by reducing inflammation, dropping excess weight, improving blood flow. And all of a sudden the nerves are less irritable. There's less inflammation in the joint and people feel better. In addition, for people who are you know hesitant or don't wanna go on to a knee replacement, there are treatments that I do, for example, like lipogems, which is the use of fat-derived stem cells uh, that you harvest off somebody putting their knee in. Studies show that at two years out, 90% of people are still happy with their outcome. I've got some people eight years out still happy with their outcome. So uh, there's a lot of options out there, but nutrition should be the heart, the foundation of you know this approach. So keep encouraging you, mom, make her some healthy food, have her watch uh, some good videos and get her going. Great, thank you. This is from Paul. Is it possible after twisting one's ankle to have elevated blood pressure for a few days, some swelling noted, however, no imaging done? Well, anytime that you have pain, you increase the autonomic sympathetic fight or flight nervous system activation. And as a result, blood pressure tends to go up, right? Because the blood vessels tighten in response to this fight or flight response. So if you're in pain, it's likely uh, your blood pressure will go up. That's a very normal response. Great, thank you. This is from mm -hmm. Marsha. I am 71, I have levoscoliosis, 
in my lower back hip area and have no thyroid. I was just diagnosed with osteoporosis. My T scores are the following, left forearm 2.8, femoral neck 1.6, total hip 2.3. It is my understanding that the osteoporosis diagnosis in my forearm wrist what exercises can I do to strengthen the bones in my wrists? I do yoga daily and walk daily. Would adding a weighted vest help when I walk? Studies would suggest that weighted vests may help with regards to bone density. It's also important to make sure that your vitamin D status is good. Your thyroid function is in a normal state. You're getting adequate calories and uh, diverse calories as well to kind of meet the needs of your body. It's also important that you're not getting excess calcium, uh, pardon me, excess sodium, um, because that washes out your bones. We do a whole talk on osteoporosis one of these days. Um, and I think very, very important that, um, you know, especially dependent upon the level of scoliosis you have, that you've got some guidance in a good strengthening program. There's a whole method called the SCROTH method, S-C-H-R-O-T-H, uh, that focuses on scoliosis uh, prevention or even reversal in some individuals, and also just teaches you how to move and lift, et cetera. Um, but yes, I mean, I'm a big fan of Pilates. I'm a fan of swimming for all the scoliosis. But with regards to the osteoporosis, weight-bearing activities are essential uh, to kind of build back bones. Great. Thank you. From Kathy, she enjoyed your presentation on osteoporosis. If you haven't seen it, just go to my YouTube channel. When someone's bone mineral density gets to negative 4.3 lumbar and has previous fractures, can they still reverse the condition without medication or would you prescribe them at some point? I'm 71 and 104 and a half pounds plant exclusive to 2012. Maybe you could just address the larger question, is osteoporosis reversible? Yeah, so if you look at studies, strength training and appropriate nutrition can alter osteoporosis by several percentage points per year. Uh, but it takes time. It's uh, not that you do something and immediately within you know one month, all of a sudden things are all better. And so it requires a real commitment. And as we talked about in the osteoporosis uh, presentation, it's not just about how the T-scores and Z-scores are. It's also about your function, your reaction time, all these other elements that are so crucial to keep you uh, reducing your risk of fractures and injuries. Great, thank you. This one is from Deb. Can you please ask Dr. Esser when he's going to open his fasting center because Florida <laughs> is much closer to me than California. I love it. Uh, well, so right now, Dr. Esser is not gonna open a fasting facility at this time uh, just because the all of the the aspects and challenges of doing that. But we are starting with a juice uh, program where people actually come here and stay um, and make their own fresh squeezed juice and a big cold pressed juice with organic produce. We provide them two or three times a week. And then I come over every day and give a lecture for you on topics that you pre-select, as well as we have access to a whole library of online videos that I've made for you. And then there's also written materials to guide you through a stepwise process. And that's actually where we've been videotaping all day today. I'm just in the backyard and on the deck, et cetera, of uh, the place where people come and stay. A nice little three bedroom, two bathroom ranch house on about four and a half acres of land here. Um, you can hear how peaceful or see how peaceful it is back here. Um, backs up against the TPC golf course, et cetera, very beautiful. Um, but yeah, so that's what we're doing for right now. And we can, you know, People can find out more about that on esserhealth.com backslash detox, uh, or probably backslash Esser's Ranch, or they can merely email me at esserhealthprogram at gmail.com. 
srhealthprogram at gmail.com uh, to learn more. Terrific. Thank you. Uh, Janet would like to know if shoulder tendonitis and bursitis can be healed completely with physical therapy and a whole food plant-based diet. Yes. Nice. That was quick. Okay. <laughs> I didn't expect such a quick one. So I'll take this one from the chat while I look for, I know there was one more that was sent in. This is from Gail, who's watching live. What are your thoughts about a supplement called vitamin code grown bow? The main ingredient is strontium citrate, 600 milligrams of elemental strontium. My doctor recommended it, but I don't want to take it. Uh, I think that the risks of taking strontium are relatively low. I don't know of any good data, however, that by itself, it's going to radically alter your disease risk of osteoporosis or osteopenia, if that's why you're taking it. Um, so I think, you know, I think the risks are relatively low. Um, so as with all vitamins, I tell people to consider them as what they're called, a supplement. They should be a supplement to an excellent diet, an excellent exercise. And then you're adding that in with hopes that it provides some additional benefit. And then there should be some end goal, meaning that you're saying, well, I'm going to recheck my bone density, or I'm going to recheck my strength, or whatever it is that you're taking as a supplement for, and you recheck them at an appropriate time. And if there's no difference and no change, um, or you know, then you know, time to stop taking the supplement. But as far as from a safety perspective, I'm not familiar with that specific um, company, but I am familiar with the vitamin itself with strontium, and I think the risk is relatively low. Great, thanks. Now, this one isn't about orthopedic health, but I think the person wants me to ask it to you specifically and anonymously. And uh, she says, a friend of hers who has been whole food plant-based SOS-free for the last several years just found out she had breast cancer. Do you know anyone who's been eating this way who is a breast cancer survivor? How should she address people who question her way of eating and the fact that she has cancer? And, and, and this is actually, you know, and since she wanted me to ask Dr. Lyle this too, because this happens, I don't know if you notice, you've been vegan as long as you've been alive as I, and you've been healthy vegan, SOS free. And I've been vegan for 46 years. And it's like, if you have, like, I have, a, I have a little cold, like if you get a cold, well, it's because you're vegan. You know, if you're run over by, you know what I mean? The outside world, like it doesn't make you bulletproof against every single thing. You're still human. You can be in a car accident. That. So I think it's a, it's a, one question was, do you see cancer, you know, help, yeah. can you see it help? But also the, the larger question is, is when people, you know, it doesn't, we know that cancer takes a long time to grow. So if she's only been eating this way a couple of years, you can't blame the diet for the cancer. Yeah. Great question. And yes, like you said, for my 40 plus years of life, right, I've been in this movement. And so I've seen, you know, people die, right. Who have eaten well, uh, and I've seen people thrive, right, who have eaten well. Here's the reality. Number one, we're not meant to be here forever. Number two, we will all die, right? Eating a plant-based program is not saying that you will not die. That, that is not what we're suggesting in any way. But what we're saying is that the common diseases will no longer be common. So for example, the high blood pressure, the heart disease, the high cholesterol, the, you know, the type two diabetes, the chronic inflammation, the catara, the, you know, the IBS, the ball, all these things just go away in the majority of people, the majority of the time. If you look at studies like the EPIC trial, right, where they looked at individuals and their consumption of plant-based foods versus meat-based foods and their exercise, et cetera, they found that if you ate the more fruits, vegetables, whole grains, et cetera, you reduced your risk, for example, of type 2 diabetes, heart disease, et cetera, by almost 90 plus percent. But your risk of cancer only improved by 36% or so, right? So yes, plants are incredibly powerful, number one. Two, 
They do not make you bulletproof as you suggested or that you never die. Number three, don't forget, as you suggested too, not everybody who eats a plant-based diet also ascribes to healthy behaviors. Many people stay up at crazy hours at night, live in extremely stressful situations, and consume gallons of vodka per week. Well, alcohol increases a woman's risk of breast cancer by 15 to 20%, according to studies. So even that by itself, right? If you have a woman who's already genetically primed, now she's drinking wine with her plants, you know, and beer with her plants. That's not helpful, right? She still is increasing her risk. Likewise, as you suggested, it takes time to turn the Titanic around. And so if you've been eating a standard American diet for decades, and now you're starting to eat plants for one or two years, it doesn't suddenly make you bulletproof. So women who consume a plant-based program and avoid all the other toxic exposures and exercise regularly and sleep well, radically reduce their risk of breast cancer, right? But women who do not do all of those things still have a higher risk. And in women, breast cancer is still increased risk. Was this woman taking oral contraceptive pills? Was this woman drinking alcohol? Was this so on and so forth? The risks go on and on, right? Not to mention all the chemicals and additives and preservatives that come in our foods and all the rest that people consume that are estrogenic, right? And drive the breast toward breast cancer. So what your friend should not feel, number one, is guilty or like I'm a bad person, or that this plant-based diet didn't work. That's ridiculous. That's not the promise. There's no promise of immortality. And what we should all feel is confident in the data and the science that says that what we're doing is actually the most guided by science and data and literature that exists out there. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I don't know this this person and I'm not accusing them in any way, but I hear so many people like they'll say, oh, I eat just like you, Chef AJ. And I'm like, no, you don't. Like right. they, they think they're eating whole food plant based, but it's not whole and it's not, as you know, so okay. I'm not saying that this is this individual at all, okay. but I'm just okay. saying, you know, Dr. McDougall did say on his last show that he learned from Dr. Kepner that I'm using his quote, all dieters are liars. And I'm not, and, and even if this lady's diet was pristine, if she's only done it from a couple, couple of years, doesn't right. cancer, it's like many, many, of course, years. of course, many decades. Right. Yeah. No, so and and I, I would agree with you because too many of us look in the mirror and all we see is our sort of whitewashed, polished look with our lipstick perfect and our hair perfect. And we just want to say positive things about ourselves. And our society, right, continues to validate that and say, you know, love yourself where you are, et cetera. And there's no, no, that's not it. It's love yourself where you are and now improve yourself because you love yourself. But we all need to continue to always identify opportunities for improvement. That doesn't mean that you live in a chronic state of I'm not good enough. Oh, woe is me. No, it means that you're like, okay, I can improve. What can I do? All right, I can do this. I can do this. Okay, great. Let's do that today. Let's improve more. That's all positive. It's like I was laying in bed this morning and I was like, all right, well, you can either lay here longer or you can get up and actually achieve some fitness goals. Stefan, what do you want to do? And for two minutes, I was like, I want to lay here. And I was like, no. No, I don't. I want to get up. All right, let's go. Let's do this. Right. And I got up and did my core exercises and so on and so forth. And I felt radically better as soon as I got out of bed and got going. So we all want to keep looking for opportunities for where we can improve our health because most of us have those opportunities. They are there. Great. Um, Amanda, I didn't see a submitted question from you. Um, so, uh, Maybe you didn't send it, but I'll ask it because you said you submitted it. And I think we have time for one more. There's several questions in the chat. So guys, please get on my mailing list. And Dr. Esser will be back next month. She said a question regarding costochondritis and slipping rib. Yes. So frustrating for many people with pain in the ribs. 
uh, with breathing, coughing, sneezing, moving, shifting, it all bothers it. Uh, you know, first, excellent chiropractic care to the mid-back, making sure that there are no abnormal rotations of the mid-spine or tight muscle groups there. Uh, number two, often doing a little bit of prolotherapy, which is the injection of sugar water or PRP along the insertion sites of the ribs into the sternum can help stabilize those areas. Great. Thank you. This was wonderful. Really, truly. You're just such a knowledgeable uh, person and so fun to listen to. Go team. You're right. Thanks so much, Dr. Esser. Bye, Chef. Bye, everybody. Take care. Bye, Roscoe. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please do subscribe because I see there's a lot of orthopedic questions and he can answer them next month. And please come back tomorrow for Well Your World, Dylan and Reeves. They're going to be making special recipes for St. Patrick's Day, like a cold cannon soup and a shamrock shake. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.